Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. ESNY. everyone to another episode of the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast and Elite Sports NY production recording on April 4th just a little after 8 8 20 p.m. Uh, as always with my guy Chip Murphy. Chip how's it going man how you hanging in? I'm trying man. Uh, <laughs> missing sports. I, uh, I told you this afternoon uh, I subscribed one month free trial the WWE Network, just because I'm missing sports so much. I'm watching uh, pay-per-views, wrestling pay-per-views from the 90s and tweeting about them like they're happening right now. <laughs> like, I posted a video of Rey Mysterio Jr., just like <laughs> 21-year-old Rey Mysterio Jr., like his finish from a 1996 pay-per-view. Just like, I don't know. It's fun, like, fun to watch, obviously, but I just miss sports so much, like, It'd be nice to have the final four was supposed to start today. I think I read so uh, it. Yeah, I just miss sports. I'm trying to find substitutes and I don't know. I have no interest in the 2K thing. I, I can't watch that. Watching people play video games like that's I can't get into that. But uh, yeah, just trying to get through it. How about you, man? Yeah, uh, a lot of similar stuff, man. I, I, dude, Rey Mysterio, that's such like a blast from the past for me. I remember, I know, I know. Uh, I remember when he came on the scene, like, yo, he, he, I mean, he athletically, he was like, at that time, unlike a lot of what we had seen. And, and I feel like, um, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if the Hardy Boys came after him or after. I because after, I feel like yeah. they, they probably got a lot of their stuff from him because Rey Mysterio was so like, like really high flying, super acro- acrobatic, um, and it, yeah, he was also mis- obviously Mysterio, right? Like he didn't talk much, so like um, that was the other big thing about him. But yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Absolutely trying to find substitutes for sports. I watched maybe all of two minutes of the 2K stuff last night, and it was the Zach Levine DeAndre Ayton um face off and i was like this is so ridiculously boring i can't <laughs> like i can't even give this my time and i felt bad too because it's like oh the nba's trying like you know espn's trying these players are trying to give people some entertainment in a really tough and dark time but i was like this is not i was like they even suck at this i was like and and the funny part <laughs> about the the funny part about the 2k stuff i mean i don't want to go too hard on the players here but it made me really like appreciate coaching because you got Zach Levine like and it's a game. I get it. Right. Yeah. But you got Zach Levine like, oh, 
I'm gonna try and get the I'm gonna get this alley oop to Derek Jones Jr. He's playing with the Miami Heat. He's got Jimmy Butler, right? Kendrick Nunn, and um, you know Bam Adebayo on that team. And he's trying yeah. to get the ball. He's trying to feature Derek Jones Jr. every time down the court. And I'm like, <laughs> this is why NBA coaches get paid money because this man <laughs> cannot be in charge of a clipboard. Like I was like, this is ridiculous. Well, Magic Johnson couldn't do it as a player coach, so I don't no. think anybody else could do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Um, yeah. But we are very excited today. Uh, something we are trying, we've seen it, you know, float around the internet a lot, a lot of redrafts going on. You know, Chip and I wanted to kind of throw our hats in the ring a little bit and try our effort at it. So we're going to be trying to bring a, a little bit of a series to the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast, starting with the 2010 NBA draft. So essentially what we're going to do, uh, we've already gone through all of the picks and undrafted players that came through, and we're going to give you our top 14. Um, Not how it happened, but how we think it should have happened. And me and Chip did not talk about how we were going to plan this out. The the 14 picks that you're going to see, we did not consult each other. We just said, hey, let's do this, and the way you want to do it, do it, and the way I'll do it, do it. Um, and so we just kind of went at it like that and, and I'm interested to see what we come up with. We're also going to hit on some guys in the draft that we thought would be good that didn't really pan out. Um, and we'll talk a little non-sports stuff just to keep it light and chill. Um, so we'll start it off here and I'll, I'll, I'll start us off first. So with the 14th pick in the actual 2010 NBA draft, the Houston Rockets selected Patrick Peterson. Um, Peterson, uh, I'm sorry, Patterson. Patterson, obviously, Patterson, out yeah. of uh, Kentucky at the time. You know, really a, a model in the sense of size for the, the stretch four that you see in the league a lot now. Um, in reality, what I felt, you know, looking at the guys that were picked um, this guy obviously went a lot higher in the draft at the time, but I went with uh, Evan Turner here at number 14. Um, so Evan Turner was a, a very high pick out of Ohio State, had a really, really, really good NCAA tournament, which I think propelled him uh, to being picked so high. Um, you know, started off in Philadelphia had maybe uh, a couple of seasons there where he scored over over double double figures. I think when you look at Evan Turner's career as a whole, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife, right? Like he's a, he's a guy that does a good amount of things well, but not necessarily anything really well. Um, he had a couple of nice playoff series. I'm just going to kind of scroll back here in my notes real quick. Um he had a couple of good playoff series for Boston, and he obviously got a very, very nice payday from the Portland Trailblazers, which I'm sure that uh, if they could have that contract back, they would. Uh, not really a net positive guy, uh, but he can definitely score. Um, and I think if you are in a playoff series and you're and you have you know issues with depth coming off the bench, he can definitely help you. He can play make a little bit, but obviously a guy who was selected number two in the draft originally, uh, I don't think necessarily panned out, but certainly has a role in the NBA. Chip, what did you, what did you go with for your 14th pick? Yeah, Turner's a good player. Uh, he's just, you know, he was the second overall pick. So he's always going to be 
the guy who was taken second. And he's, you're right, he's the classic guy who made a huge jump in the draft because he had a good tournament. So he's, yeah, he's that guy. But uh, the 14th pick, I had uh, Alpha Rukamino. I always really liked Alpha Rukamino. I think he's had a good career. I think he's always been a little underrated. Uh, he really started to come on recently with his shot. Uh, he had a down year this year. I think you're going to have to give him a pass. He got hurt after 18 games in Orlando. He signed a, he signed not a big contract, but he signed. He was Orlando's really only free agent addition. They expect, expected big things from him, and he got hurt, and he was supposed to be a part of their uh, playoff team. But uh, he played really well the last four years in Portland. Uh, he averaged, what was it, uh, 35% from three, nine and a half points, 7.1 rebounds, 41% from the field, 77% from the line. Uh, he's always been regarded as a good defender. Uh, I've always, me personally, I've always thought he was a really good player. And I'm a Duke fan, so I've watched him since college. Uh, he was on Wake Forest with Ish Smith. They were Pretty much like the last good Wake Forest team. Wake Forest is probably one of the worst teams in the ACC now. When he was there, they were actually good. Mm. I think he was like, I was looking at it. Yeah, he was a McDonald's All-American. Like he was a, that was back when Wake Forest used to get like five-star recruits and stuff. So, yeah, he always thought he was going to be good. And uh, he was, originally he was the eighth overall pick uh, for the Clippers. Um he only spent one year there. Then he was traded to New Orleans for, uh, I think, in the Chris Paul deal, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, no, I think no. that, yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, it, yeah, because I know Gordon got traded in that deal, but yeah, he was packaged with Gordon and Cayman for uh, Chris Paul. So that wasn't really about them giving up on him. That was more like we want the best point guard in the NBA, right? But. Uh, yeah, I always thought he was underrated and good defender. And he wasn't, he was kind of one of those guys who wasn't really about the stats. He always, uh, he always showed up and he was, he averaged, you know, yet first career 7.6 points, 6.1 rebounds, and 34% from three. You know, not spectacular, but not awful. And this, what we didn't, uh, we forgot to start off by saying, this isn't a very strong draft. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Uh, very top-heavy draft. And uh, I think Al-Farouk Amino is a, is a good player. And, yeah, I, he's his play stands out more from, I know it's cliche, but the little things that he's done. And, uh, yeah, I, he's, a, he's one of those guys that every playoff team would like to have. If he just does the little things and he sacrifices his body, stuff like that. What we When we constantly praise Kyle Lowry on this podcast he does <laughs> things like that yeah I uh dude I, I love Aminu and, and it's funny because I think it kind of lets you uh a little window into my thinking I actually have him um a good bit higher on this and I really? think I think for me it's not so much you know because and what everything you said in terms of the career numbers um are totally on point I think for me, when when if the way we saw these guys play when they played on good teams, to me said a lot about I think maybe where they should have been drafted originally. Like, uh, and I, I'll go into 
Aminu more when, when we get there. But uh, I, I, I loved what he brought. Um, definitely a good player for sure. Um, so let's go on to 13 here. And in, uh, in reality, we had the Toronto Raptors, and they took Ed Davis. Um, my pick here was actually the guy who went 14th, and it was, it was Patrick Patterson. So, um, you know, a guy who I think was drafted fairly where, where he should have been. Um, you know, I think, you know, you could say that there were maybe higher hopes for him career, you know, six points, four rebounds. The numbers are not going to jump out, but 36% from three, uh, which is, is definitely solid. 52% effective field goal percentage. His box plus minus is dead even. Um, he had two very good Toronto, um, playoff series for Toronto where he shot it well from three and he scored in double figures. Um, you know, I think he was a guy that unfortunately may be defined more by underwhelming performances instead of the the times where he did play well. He was a guy that I think on some OKC teams that if he had played well, you know, would have really shined and, and helped his team. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, overall, he's he's a pretty decent player. Like I was saying before, you know, the, the kind of the model prototypical stretch four and, you know, ha- had some good series here and there. Who'd you go with for 13? Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, I actually stuck with uh, what happened originally. Oh, Davis. Ed Davis. Ed Davis. Okay. In, uh, 13, yeah. Uh, I'm a big Ed Davis fan. I do too. I, I like uh, him a lot. Despite the fact that uh, I'm a Duke fan, I uh, I really th- always my uh, brother is a Nets fan, and when Ed Davis played for the Nets, he was obsessed with Ed Davis. You know, everybody's favorite, everybody's favorite teammate around the league. You know, everybody wants Ed Davis on their team. He's always been underrated, I thought, and he had the unfortunate uh, problem. He probably played his best season on a Lakers team that uh, really meant absolutely nothing. You know, it was that year they went 21 and 61. What was that? Was that 2013? uh, uh, 2014. Okay. 15. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, the year when uh, Tarek Black, I think, was on the team. Right, right. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I don't think it was – it wasn't Kobe's last year, was it? No. (sighs) Close, no, was, close was, to it. Close hold to on, it, hold on. What? I thought Kobe's. Hold on. No, Kobe's last year was. Yeah, Kobe's last year was 2015. Okay. 16. Yeah. Okay. Um, just wanted to double check. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Kobe's last year, but it was. Uh, it was just another lost Lakers year in the middle of that. The end of the Kobe year. It was the Jeremy Lin year mm. for the Lakers. It was. It was bad, and uh, oh, the Ryan Kelly year. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> wow, what a name. Talk about yeah. a Duke guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I felt bad for Ryan Kelly watching that happen, I remember. But uh, yeah, Ed Davis has always been underrated. Uh, I'm looking at his basketball reference page, and he's he's always averaged a lot of rebounds. And uh, he's uh, he's one of those guys. I love picking, uh, picking on him because he's always one of those guys who's like a per 36 all-star. You know, he averages 12.1. Per, uh, rebounds per 36 minutes for his career. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a per 36 all-star, man. 17.1 
rebounds per 100 possessions. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, box plus minus because he he has a negative 0.1 box plus minus. I always thought that was funny too. Yeah. About him. And his, his defensive box plus minus is 0.3. <laughs> he's literally he's right there he is to have made an impact <laughs> like, he is. but uh yeah he you know he didn't really see the floor too much in utah he didn't uh look too much like himself i guess but yeah i think uh again not a it's not a very strong draft but uh i think ed davis has had a really good career again we're drafting not based on where the guy is right now right at least that's what i'm doing i don't want to put words in your mouth but uh, drafting based on where the guy is right now, drafting based on the career they've had. And I think Ed Davis has had some nice seasons. And uh, yeah, he's put up some good – he's played a lot of games, put up uh, some good numbers. And he's the fact that he's so well-liked around the league, I think, speaks for him and his attitude. And you can't say that about a lot of guys. No, it's true. Um, I love Ed Davis, and I actually have him maybe, uh, and we'll get into it, maybe like one or two spots uh, above that as well. I mean, uh, like I think, uh, and I think me and you definitely appreciate the a similar type of player, somebody who doesn't necessarily have eye-popping stats, but they clearly do a lot for the team. And Ed Davis has been that guy like wherever he's been. Um, but moving on to number 12 here. So I actually forget, and you may be able to help me out here, how to pronounce this guy's name correctly, but so with number twelve, the Grizzlies took, and I forget if it was Xavier or Xavier Henry out of Kansas. Yeah, it is. It is Xavier, right? Zavier. I'm pretty sure it is Xavier. Yeah. So this was a guy. He's not one of my guys that I thought was going to be really, really good and didn't pan out. But um, he was a guy that that had a good amount of clout in college. Played played decent in Kansas. Um, I think he had one season where he scored uh, 10 points a game. And it was actually funny enough for one of those Lakers teams that you were just talking about. Um, Shortly out of the league after that, you know, really didn't work out that well. Um, But for my number 12 pick, I actually went with, uh, and us as as Knicks fans, we know him well, Mr. Jeremy Lin. Uh, Lin Sanity. Um... So I I, uh, I I threw Mr. Lin in here, and and my reasoning is is kind of twofold. So obviously coming out of Harvard, uh, who the hell know knew what this kid was gonna do? But um, clearly he set the entire sports world um, ablaze for about you know thirty thirty five games or so. Career eleven four and four guy, um, actually. I think what impressed me the most about Lynn was the fact that after the kind of hype died down around him, and I thought the Knicks correctly, you know, didn't uh, re-sign him. You know, Houston signed him to to that deal, and then he, I believe, went on to the Lakers afterwards. Uh, he actually had a really nice season with Brooklyn uh, right before he, he hurt himself, and he played some decent ball with Charlotte as well. Uh, I think the thing that impressed me about Lynn was that he never let that stardom get to his head. He obviously played off the huge confidence that he had when he was playing with the Knicks. He definitely continued to work on his game after um, Lin Sanity died down. He had a, a fairly nice career. You know, eventually won a championship with the Raptors. Obviously, didn't didn't play too much or contribute too much to that. But 
Um, dead even box plus minus for him. And uh, his defensive, let me see. And I think his defensive box plus minus is actually dead even as well. So I went with Lynn at 12 here. What? Uh, who did you go with? Is his defensive box plus minus really dead even? I, so I'm I'm like 99% sure because I, I tried to check these numbers pretty good. But I know he's not a great defender by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it, you know, he probably played on some decent teams too. Stats are flawed, man. Stats are flawed. <laughs> <laughs> Just put that out there. Um, well, the 12th pick, I got uh, someone who was already mentioned. I got Evan Turner here. Okay. Um, I put him a couple spots higher than you did or – but, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, he obviously didn't live up to hype. As you already said, he uh, averaged for his career 9.7 points, 4.6 rebounds, 3.5 assists, uh, 43% from the field, and, you know, 29% from three, uh, 78% from the line. But that, the fact that he never, he played this long in the league and never developed the three-point shot, like, I mean, come on. As yeah. when you when you're that high a pick and you make that much money in Portland and you you must be able to see that the game is trending that way. Right. Like you need a jumper. Like you, you gotta be able to develop something and at least to make be able to make more than twenty nine percent of your threes. Right. I mean, the guy I'm looking at is uh, again, he never even made sixty threes in a season. Uh, 58 was his highest right so uh, just that's pretty that's pretty bad i mean <laughs> but and now because of that he's unplayable yeah. but um i think he just got traded again to uh minnesota right or was it no atlanta atlanta, atlanta. Right? yeah yeah atlanta jeez atlanta there were so many trades that happened no it's um the uh uh malik beasley thing was minnesota um yeah, I, I wouldn't. I'm surprised he's still uh, in the league, to be honest. Or I guess once the uh, the uh, horrible contract from Portland runs out, he'll be out of the league. But uh, yeah, he's and now he's one of those guys, the leftovers from the summer of 2016, the <laughs> uh, the legend, the legendary summer of 2016. They're gonna make a 30 for 30 out of it. Oh, they were they were printing money. I really that summer. They were absolutely printing yeah. money and just handing it out. I really do. Yeah. And now, yeah, now this summer is gonna be the opposite of that. So, yeah. That's most likely true. Yeah, um, I think it's it's gonna be interesting. But um, yeah, I I think he belongs below on the list. I I thought about making him even lower. But uh, I was going to put Davis ahead of him, but uh, I decided to put him here because he, he has more impressive numbers than Davis. But I don't know. I went back and forth. Yeah, I think uh, that's also when we get to a weak draft, and I think me and you probably feel the same. Like we're splitting hairs here with some of the guys, um, you know, especially when mm-hmm. it comes down to numbers and, you know, 10, 10 through 14. I mean, it's going to be. You know, it's it's going to be like one thing here or there. But I'm interested to ask you, though. Do you even have Jeremy Lin on this list? Oh, of course. Oh, you yeah. do? Okay. All right. So you went. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you got him up there. All right. All right. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. let's uh, let's shift to 11 here. Uh, the phrase as it goes is once a Nick, always a Nick. And uh, I'm not sure any fan will feel that way about Cole Aldrich. He's probably most famous for walking away from a fight 
between uh, Quincy AC and uh, I don't know whoever it was on the Washington Wizards, but there's always that video that circulates on Twitter about Cole Aldridge just essentially turning his back on the whole thing, which is like really funny. Um, funny story, I actually saw and said what's up to Cole Aldridge in White Plains one time, like a bunch of the Knicks <laughs> live in White Plains and he was walking into a bar that I was just coming out of and he was with like... Um, two people and he obviously he was so recognizable he's like stupid tall and I was just like oh shit cool and he smiled at me and like you could see his tooth missing and I was like wow I was like that's crazy um but drafted by the Pacers originally uh average five points per game with the Knicks twice uh so I guess you know that that's his claim to fame and uh, he was under the Cole the Phil Jackson error um but who I have at at his position and he's an interesting player because I think since there's been a lot of analytics, uh, some people have cooled on him a little bit. But I, I think Avery, Avery Bradley uh, has had a pretty decent career for himself. Um, and I think originally Bradley was drafted like 27th or something like that. Um, let me check here because I'm pretty sure I have that. Uh, no, 19th. He was drafted 19th by the Celtics originally. I have him here um 11th uh you know out of texas you know not amazing analytics when it comes to box plus minus and especially defensive box plus minus but uh he averaged 11 points per game for his career 36 percent from three from the years of 2014 to 2018 he essentially averaged 14 points per game on 35 percent shooting which is not bad um, you could say that his, his analytics in terms of, uh, you know, showing his worth in terms of when it comes to winning, whether it's win shares should probably higher, be higher on a good team that with the Celtics that, you know, they won at least 50 games or close to it for three years. But I think he's had a, a very good career. Um, you know, he's, he's playing decent for the Lakers now, but I took him at the number 11 spot. Chip, who'd you go with? Huh. Now, I was very uh, conflicted about this one because I didn't... His career went so sideways, uh, so fast, but uh, I had to put him on here because he had so many high moments in his first four seasons, and that's Lance Stevenson. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I really, you know, look, I really loved, we all loved watching him. Yes. He was such a, very entertaining, such a, very entertaining. A, yeah. For years in Indiana, but uh, obviously we know things felt, the wheels fell completely off, had just a miserable season. Uh, when he went to that one year in Charlotte, his box plus minus in Charlotte was minus four and a half. Just, he had negative <laughs> 0.9 win shares. I was shocked by that. Like I, I remember it was bad, but I, I didn't remember that his PER was in the single digits, and his true shooting percentage was like forty-one uh, percent or something like that. It was crazy how bad that season was. It was like one of the worst uh, of the decade. Yeah. But if you remove that, uh, like, like his, there's the. The joke about how when he's playing in Indiana, he's uh, more locked in. But 
look, I, I don't know. I, I had to, I had to put him on this list, and I thought about putting him lower, but I just felt like those couple of years, like his third year and his second year, where he real, where which earned him the contract in Charlotte, where he really looked like he was going to morph into one of the best defenders in the league, and particularly in his fourth year. I think that puts him on this list. Like, I know, like I said, the wheels fell off completely. Like, I know that. But uh, he had some great moments, and, God, I I had to put him on there. And he played played really well in the playoffs, showed up in the playoffs. Uh, there was a year he was, like, top 10 in defensive win shares, top 15 in defensive rating, something like that. And, look, he... He couldn't handle getting the money. Yeah. Couldn't handle getting the money. Yeah. I should have stayed in Indiana, I guess, is the moral of that story. But he uh, he was always, always entertaining. And I not that that, not that, that makes him a good uh, player, but uh, I don't know. I think he I think he belongs high on this uh, draft because just because of his first few years in Indiana. And like I said initially, this isn't a very strong draft. I'm not exactly putting him ahead of a bunch of Hall of Famers there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I I, uh, I definitely remember, like, he sticks out uh, in some of those playoff series for just how, um, how versatile he was in terms yeah. of a, a playmaker, a defender, a guy who could, like, um, make shots off the dribble, off-balance shots. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it's clear. I think I probably soured on him a little in terms of, uh, this, this list just because of the maybe sample size of like the good years that he had. But when it comes to those playoff matchups, I mean, he was, he was always an X factor, if not one of the five most important players on both teams combined whenever he was playing. Um, and he's really a case of like, what could have been? Because, I mean, the dude had all the talent in the world. I mean, there's nothing he couldn't do, you know? It's not like you could say he couldn't shoot. He actually could, but it's just, was his focus there, you know? And, I mean, that was, unfortunately, his thing, I think, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I very rarely look past the numbers, but I did with Lynn Stevenson. <laughs> hey, and I mean, like, he he's kind of like, he kind of has, like, a cult following. Like, there people people love Lance out there, like... Especially if you're a New York guy, like, has the PASAL all-time, you know, scoring record. Like, you know, he's 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 got a myth about him, for sure. Yeah. He's, yeah, I, and I don't know. I just, what, what am I, who am I putting him below? Who am I taking out of the, uh, out of the bottom 15 and putting ahead of him? Right. You know? Right. Like, I don't know. Is what it is. Um, number 10 here, a guy who I'm 1000% sure that both Chip and I have much higher on this draft is Paul George, PG3, drafted by the Pacers, uh, won't go too much into him, but do absolutely destroys this entire class in terms of win shares, 69.1 tops out of all of them. Uh, in fact, I went with a guy that we already talked a whole bunch about, so I'm not going to go too much into it, but Ed Davis, 
Um, I do really like what he brought to um, pretty much every team that he's been on. Uh, the win shares are pretty impressive. Obviously, free throw shooting was never going to be a strength for him. Very impactful on the boards. And the playoff series that he had with Toronto, I'm sorry, Portland and Brooklyn, uh, really impressive. And I and I saw a, a good amount of him last year, especially when he played with Brooklyn. And um, me and you, obviously, we know a whole bunch of Nets riders, so we hear about him a lot. But then to see him, I was like, you know what, it's very clear why all these guys love Ed Davis so much. Um, who is your 10th pick? Yeah, again, uh, I don't want to go too much into this guy because you already talked about him, but I took Jeremy Lin here. Okay. Uh, again, he, you know, for all the reasons that you already said, you know, he had a really good career. He uh, put up some, I think maybe his best season was uh, that year in Brooklyn with Kenny. Yep who uh, the Knicks should hire as their coach, by the way, but we don't have to get into that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't want to go too far down that road. You already mentioned the metrics that I was going to talk about. I think uh, I was going to say he was in, like, the top 15 or top 12 or something for uh, win shares in the draft. So uh, in that draft class, I mean. So, yeah, he – yeah, I, I think it's a no-brainer that he's in the top 14, and I just happened to put him a little bit higher than you, and, yeah. I think, yeah, I think uh, Jeremy belongs this high. Yeah. So I'm putting him back. Um, then we move on to number nine. In reality, the Utah Jazz selected the uh, the Butler, probably the most famous player to ever come out of Butler, uh, Gordon Hayward. Um, I think I went with Greg Monroe here, actually. So drafted to the Pistons, a career 13-8 and eight guy. I'm going to be honest. Before I started researching Greg Monroe here, I knew that he had some decent years with the Pistons, but I, I wasn't really aware of um, how – not like how good, but like how, how decent some of the numbers were and consistently. So he was, he was essentially a double-double guy for the first four out of the five seasons of his career. Um, his box plus minus is actually positive – Surprisingly enough, because he's on, he's been on bad teams, um, maybe not horrible. I mean, he had a, a decent, I think, playoff series with the Celtics. Uh, the win shares were pretty good for him as well, forty nine point seven. Um, in a in a uh, no, I don't want to say year because it's more than that. In a decade or whatever you want to call it, when the quintessential big man who plays with his back to the basket has really been phased out of the NBA. I actually thought Greg Monroe carved out a nice niche for himself. Um, not really athletic, you know, is is not going to get the, the high-flying dunks, but I thought he played well enough over the span of his career to, um, you know, be, you know, be on this, be on this list. A, a little bit below where he was originally drafted, but um, to still have a, a decent spot on there and and he, and he had a pretty good career at Georgetown as well yeah again uh I'm not gonna take up too much time because we have actually have the same person going here I have Greg Monroe I have Greg Monroe um so yeah Greg Monroe actually became like kind of a punchline at the end of his career because you know he was stuck at the end of the bench in Milwaukee and he Rightfully so, because he couldn't guard anybody. Right. 
uh, and he couldn't shoot, and the game was moving towards big men shooting the ball, and he was a post player. And he wasn't the type of dominant post player that could make up for, uh, you know, being uh, a little bit, well, not a little bit. He was a terrible defensive player. Um, so he was kind of the butt of jokes on Twitter, which really didn't help him. But, um, yeah, he people forget he really was an excellent. He put up really good numbers uh, with Detroit. Now they were empty numbers. But uh, his metrics are really good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's why he's in the top ten on this list. And I think he belongs there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with that as well. Uh, yeah. And then we, we move to number eight. And so my guy, again, uh, can't, can't go too crazy into it, but you already touched on him. Um, I love him, and maybe I have him a little too high because the, the career numbers are definitely not that stout. But uh, Al Farouk Aminu, and the only thing I'm going to add based on what you, what you already said about him, uh, positive defensive bo- uh, box plus minus, and really what, what got me here was the playoff series. I think some of the guys I may have a little bit higher here or not, I, I tried to look into their postseason performances. Um, you can't really hold that against some guys, you know, because, you know, there are some guys, of course, we'll probably get into Boogie Cousins later that played on terrible Kings teams yeah. and a horribly run franchise that was never going to get to them, them to the playoffs. But, man, Aminu shooting 40% from three in some of these playoff series, averaging 11 points um, for the Trailblazers, I mean... Like when I just think about the career he's made for himself and the money he can still probably get, granted there'll be short contracts, but um, just based on and I and I think the other reason I was probably high on him too is I really watched him a lot in that Trailblazers series, um, not the series, but that that run when Dame was just lighting the earth on fire, and he played extremely well. So I I, I threw him up there pretty high. Um, and that's uh, who did you go with for number eight? I have Avery Bradley here. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I know, and uh, I went back and forth on even putting him in the top fourteen. Well, not the top fourteen, the top ten. Sorry, right? Because uh, I I went back to look at it, and I was, and you actually alluded to it before. I couldn't believe his. Uh, Metrics. metrics yeah i was stunned i was like chip i was stunned because he has the reputation of a, of a good defensive player and then you literally yeah. look at the years he played on decent celtics teams mm-hmm. and it was just negative i was like wait how is this possible i think every single year is a, a almost every single year yeah. is a negative box plus minus like it's really it's shocking yeah but uh yeah for his career it's Negative 2.2, box plus minus. Crazy. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. No, he has every single year of his career is a, a negative uh, total box plus minus. That's wow. For a guy, for a player of his caliber, that's no surprise. But uh, he's, but you have to, for a guy, like, like I said, player of his career, you have to look past that because he's had a spectacular career. And for a while, he's been. There were in his prime. He was one of the better defenders in the league. He was two-time All Defense. Um, he was really respected on those Celtics teams. He uh, he could, well, not could. He's thirty-six percent uh, three-point shooter for his career. Seventy-eight percent from the free throw line. 
averaged 11.8 points. Uh, another thing, I was surprised he only averaged one steal per game. Yeah. I thought he would have averaged like one and a half or something. But, uh, yeah, his his numbers in Boston, 12.1 points, uh, 37% from three, so a little bit better, uh, 44% from the, uh, from the field. Uh, yeah, he, look, he's had a really good career, and Boston was his peak, obviously, and he wasn't the same after he was traded away out of Boston. But, uh, look, just from, look, just his career in Boston alone, I think, puts him higher on this list in my opinion that's I, what i was thinking so i, I can uh, see that too I like, i'm gonna yeah no, no no yeah keep keep going with that no 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 that's what that's all i was thinking like just a career in boston there put some higher on this list for me and i look nor, like like i said before normally i don't look too far past the stats but with him i had to because it's just like i said it was just shocking to see so many negative uh, metrics and that's why you have to look past the stats sometimes because they are flawed and in this case they are flawed i, I would say they, avery bradley is not a negative basketball player yeah no so. he, he's definitely not like and the other thing i would say to support your stance on him too is like just think about like the Celtics series that we watched like i could tell you right now that i i remember hearing mike breen call or say what an amazing play by Bradley or what a steal or way to jump that pass or like you know that's where it's one of those things where the eye test kind of does tell you that like yeah man you know what I mean like I can't explain to you why he's a negative why the metrics say uh, that he's negative but clearly Avery Bradley was a really good basketball player for a bunch of years and you know uh, in his prime there's a lot of teams that would have loved to have Avery Bradley on their team like come on yeah, for sure. Um, number seven. So I have a feeling you might have this guy higher than me. Number seven okay. in reality, uh, Greg Monroe went to the Pistons. I'd already spoken to him. So I have Derek Favors here. So Derek Favors. Let me see. Another guy that I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't know um, a whole bunch about before uh, was looking into, but you know, really looking at his now, I'll say this: he he played on some some pretty good teams, um, and I and I do think that that helped some of his numbers here, but um, a really efficient score, and I think does a lot of decent things well. I don't have too much on this guy here, but, um, you know, I remember, I think I forget during that, that time around the draft, whether, um, the nets were rumored to be, you know, really interested in him. He was a guy that came out of Georgia tech, right? Favors said, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have, I have favors here. The, the wind shares are pretty high for him. I think it's like 53 point something. Um, you know, just a, a guy with a, a, a pretty solid career. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't checked in too much on him of late, but I, I know that the Jazz had given him a, a pretty decent contract, and, and he had been there for a while. But he got traded to the Pelicans, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or signed to the Pelicans? Yeah, he signed with them. I think, yeah. I think it was like a one-year, one- or two-year deal, short-term, yeah. So, I mean, he was a guy that originally, um, I think he was drafted, what, he was third overall. 
uh, to the Nets at the time. So, um, yeah, he's a guy that I, I have a little bit further back here, but uh, really, really productive player. Who'd you go with at seven? Okay, yeah, we uh, fortunately, we uh, differ on this one, finally, again. Um, <laughs> I got Hassan Whiteside. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't think it's too big a... Uh, um, different to say that uh, he should be this low. I think he's, you know, he's 13.8 points, 11.8 rebounds, 2.4 blocks for his career. You know, he gets a lot of hate. He does. Uh, a lot of hate. And I think a lot of it is rightfully so. But uh, he's also, his numbers are spectacular, his advanced numbers. Uh, and I think a lot of people hate him. I think a lot of people hate him because his numbers are so spectacular you know he's second behind uh paul george in box plus minus in the entire 2010 draft class so uh, i think reasons like that are why people don't really like him very much because there's a perception that is uh a lot of his numbers aren't very meaningful and that he's lazy on defense and right. that's why miami didn't want him and uh i think a lot of that's true just based on watching him too uh, but, uh, you know, he led the league in blocks again this year, like he did uh, in 2015-16. But, um, yeah, he uh, averaged, what, 14.2 rebounds. He had a good statistical season, but uh, I also think his contract is either running up this year or next year, so uh, he's also playing for money. But, uh, uh, he, yeah, I, I'm putting him this high, so uh, I'm taking Whiteside here. Uh, I don't think there's I don't think there's much else to say. His uh, mostly because of his numbers, and he has he is one of the better. He's not an elite center, but he is one of the better centers in the NBA. He's not a guy you'd take. He's not a guy that I would pay a lot of money to or anything. But he is a guy that after all the elite centers were gone, I'd say okay, I'll take Hassan Whiteside. You know, like the like the Blazers did. He's he was a replacement center for the Blazers because Nurkic got hurt. You know, he's an elite replacement center. <laughs> yeah, and, um, uh, I think that's for me. I think he also made. Uh, you might have said it. He made an all defensive team. I think in uh, in two thousand sixteen. Yeah. yeah, dude. I listen. We don't differ that's that. We don't right. differ. We don't differ that much on Whiteside at all. I actually have him at number six. So originally, I did. originally the uh, the Golden State Warriors took Ekpe Udo. I'm not even gonna go waste breath, you know, talking about him too much. But um, <laughs> dude, let's. I mean, I'm gonna cut it short with with Whiteside here. But I think me and you are both gonna agree the two things that probably hold him uh, back from being further up on this list because the advanced metrics are so good and being a career 13 and 11 guy is nothing to sneeze at. He's, you know, he at least has the perception and in some cases reality of being a complete dickhead teammate and he can't shoot free throws. So those, those two things are going to hold you back. I mean, there was rumors that he quit on the heat during a a playoff series. That's never going to help you out. But dude, Hassan Whiteside, the numbers show that your team does pretty good when he's on the floor. So I definitely have him up here for sure. Um, I think that moves us to number five, which in reality was reserved for Boogie Cousins, man. I think six. I think you skipped six, didn't you? No, I think uh, that was Ekbe. Ekbe Udo. 
Oh, I didn't go for six then. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. Yep. <laughs> I yep. was like, what, what are we doing? Yeah. You're right. Um, hold on. I got uh, Dark Favors at six. Okay, so there we I go. go. I won't go too far into that since you uh, already picked Favors. But uh, what I was going to say was, you know, I think Favors has always been solid. You mentioned uh, he's played on a lot of good teams. You know, 11, uh, 11 and 7 for his career. Uh, he's second in the draft. This is something I was surprised by. Of all uh, players in the 2010 draft class, he's second in win shares. Yeah. So that that's something that's impressive. It he's is. also played a lot of he's played a lot of minutes and a lot of games. Six hundred seventy seven games. So he's third in in games in the 2010 draft class. Uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, where's he rank? Oh God, I misspelled his name. Uh, eighth in minutes, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, so he's played a lot of minutes, been in a lot of games. But, um, yeah, so I was just impressed by the metrics there, the being second in win shares but, and, and the others, and the stuff you mentioned before. But the fact that he's been on good teams, he's been impressive. So, uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's not a, an all-star or anything, but uh, he's always, he's one of those guys that whenever you, Whenever somebody brings him up, you're like, oh, yeah, Dark Favors, he's a solid player. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys. Oh, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, damn. So here we are, man. We're in the top five now. I So it's yeah. funny. I'm going to I'm gonna put a guess out there. I have a feeling at least three or four out of our top fives, the both of them, are going to be very similar. But I do, you know, I think we might switch one or two spots here and there, but so for the number five pick in reality, the Kings went with DeMarcus Cousins. I think the only reason Cousins even fell that low was because there were issues with uh, behavior, um, you know, some off the court stuff. You know, yeah. there was a lot of stuff swirling around him at, around that time. Um, but number five here, um, I went with Eric Bledsoe, and so Bledsoe, uh, he's got a a an, uh, an all defensive. Team nomination to his name, 14-4-4 four four for his career. Very respectable numbers. Um, I really, I, again, so I would have put Whiteside even potentially above him if not for the fact that Whiteside is, you know, has been a dickhead teammate and he's atrocious at the line. But, <laughs> but dude, Eric Bledsoe has played pretty decently for a number of different teams. So he was drafted by the Clippers originally. He had the nickname Mini LeBron. Um, when in his last, that was a tough one to shake. I know, yeah, yeah of tough. course. But you know, as, uh, when he came out of the league, obviously out of Kentucky, a super freak in terms of athleticism. His last year in the, with the Clippers, he started to really come on. He actually played pretty decently for Phoenix as well. He put up some solid numbers there. And then, you know, when you finally put him on a good team with the with the Bucks, um, he's played pretty well. Now, you know, his haters are gonna say that, well, you know, they they the Bucks couldn't play too much with him on the floor during the playoffs because he couldn't shoot. And yeah, that's true. But you know what? He's a he's a very, very good defensive guard in a league where there's not a lot of good defensive guards, I think, that that play the minutes that he plays and um you know i i think he was he was pretty solid here who'd you go for number five yeah he was brutal in the playoffs last year shooting yeah. the ball but that yes. doesn't really affect my pick based on his entire uh long career in the league here 
so one series and hopefully we get to see the Bucks in the playoffs and see what I he know. can do. But uh, I got Eric Bledsoe here too. Okay. Um, and uh, he, uh, you know, his numbers are impressive. Uh, he, uh, he's 15, you know, 15 and four rebounds and three and a half assists. Uh, his win shares are good. His box plus minus is good. He, uh, you know, he's had a good career. Yeah, I, I, the, when I whenever I think about Eric Bledsoe, I always think about how funny it was that the Suns uh, just benched him at the end of that one oh, season. Oh yeah, and then he was in the in the barber shop like or they, whatever. Yeah, he was like, I can't, I got yeah, to get out of here. Thing. Yeah, and uh, and they didn't even like hide it. They didn't even like pretend to hide it. Like uh, they just like Eric, like Zach Lowe tells the story of how he was was at a Suns game and Eric Bledsoe just showed up and was like shooting around and. Zach Lowe was like, are you playing tonight? And he's like, nope. I like, <laughs> was like, are you hurt? He's like, nope. And he just left and went home. <laughs> like, They weren't even hiding it or anything. It was, it was just really funny. Like, They were just straight out tanky. That was like four or five years ago, I guess, yeah. or something like that. And, but uh, yeah, they obviously more strictly enforced the tanking rules. But yeah, the whole the, I was at the hairdresser barbershop, whatever he oh said. Oh my god. The that Phoenix was man. But I'm sure he's happy to be in Milwaukee now. Oh that, yeah. that guy really lucked out getting traded from Phoenix to a championship contender. Oh, Absolutely. Man, he lucked out. Big time. Um so we are currently one for one in the top five. We'll see what happens with number four. Yes. In reality um, this was a guy that I definitely thought would play better in the league. He's not one of the guys that I was most surprised about, you know, kind of uh, sucking. But Wesley Johnson out of Syracuse, career seven points per game, 33% from three, uh, 40, 40% field goal percentage. Um, not much to say about this dude here. Like he, you know, there was two seasons where he was playing with the Clippers where he was getting decent run. He was playing about 20 minutes per night. Uh, but not didn't play well. Not a, not a net positive guy. Um, you know, it was kind of surprised because he he had a nice shooting stroke, but it just didn't work out for him. Uh, for me, who I have here at number four, and I don't know how I feel about this guy as a whole. You know, injuries certainly have derailed, um, but he's come back from it. Um, there's a part of me I'm not going to lie to you that thinks that this guy is a little bit overrated, and I don't want to hate on him. Um, but I have Gordon Hayward here. He is an he's an all star. Um, he's career fifteen and four. He's averaging seventeen and six this year, which is which is awesome. Uh, two thousand fifteen through two thousand seventeen, probably his best seasons with the Jazz. Um, true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage is higher than Bledsoe. Uh, career numbers are in general higher than Bledsoe. Uh, box plus minus was dead even with Bledsoe. Uh, but, you know, Hayward is, is the better free throw shooter. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I know there's a lot of people that love Gordon Hayward out there. You know, I'm not one of them. But uh, I do, um, you know, think that, that he, when when healthy, is a is a very good player. And he's who I have at number four here. Two for two. All right. I got Hayward, I got Hayward here, too. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm a little higher on Hayward than you are. Okay. I think uh, Hayward proved a lot this year. I know it was a small sample size, 45 games, but you know he came back and he was 50 percent from the field, 39 from three, 17 points, six and a half rebounds, four assists, 
you know, he wasn't his all-star former self, but he doesn't need to be that guy anymore because he has Tatum now and Brown now. You know, he's if he can be this guy on this team with Tatum and Brown and and Kemba, I mean, that that's all they really need. If yeah. he can be a 17-point-per-game score shooting 50% and 40% from three, that's all they need. But in terms of why I put him here, I mean, his career, I, I, I don't think he's been overrated, really. I mean, he's only made one all-star team. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, he did get a max deal with Boston, right? But, yeah. uh, you know, he's he had the injury, but uh, he's, what, he's 30, just turned 30. So he's nearing the end of his prime, if not at the end of it, but... I don't know. I here's here's my question to you about Hayward. What do you think he would be like? Like, let's say this. Like, because um, I think you know, and and it's you can't hold it against you can't really hold it against anybody where they get drafted, you know. But but he gets drafted to a good franchise, like a pretty good team, and and obviously Boston is a a very one well run franchise. But let's say if you were if you were relying on Hayward to be like. Um, the number two or the number one guy, like how how do you think he would fare if he was getting double well, teams every night? Well, we already saw that in Utah. It, yeah. did, it was a first round exit, right? So, I, I don't think it would go any farther than a first round exit, to right. be honest. So, but uh, yeah, but he's not that. He doesn't have to be that. It's true. I it's think true. that's the that's the point. So I. I think if he were the number one guy in Boston, we'd be there'd be a problem. But in Bo- in Boston, he's the third guy at most, and sometimes the fourth guy, probably. And if Gordon Hayward's your fourth option on a team, it's fucking it's good great. fourth option. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. Um, so now we're gonna go. I, you know what? Who knows? We might go five for five here. So yeah, maybe. Uh, in the the number third pick in reality went to the New Jersey Nets, and they took Derek Favors at the time. Um. I went. I went the big man. I went Boogie Cousins here. Um, a career twenty-one and ten uh, defensive box plus minus and box plus minus that were both higher than Hayward. Two-time All NBA selection, four-time All Star. To me, this is what really uh, sets him apart from his peers. Obviously, injuries really, really messed him up. And even though Boogie, you know, has um, a lot of negative kind of perceptions around the league and and some of that is self-inflicted I'm, I'm not gonna just be a player apologist here but um you know he had five seasons where he averaged 25 and 10 and I don't care who you are but that's hard to do man that's not easy you know a lot of people used to kill mellow for getting big stats on on you know either teams that weren't doing that well or or whatever but you know it, DeMarcus Cousins, man, he he was a force. And um, I think it should just be an asterisk whenever you get drafted to the Kings. I don't know how you can how you can judge a player, you know, because of, of the way they run that franchise. Like it's it's crazy. But uh, I have DeMarcus Cousins here, man. I, I, I really hope at one point, you know, I don't know if we'll ever see him back. I think even after the Achilles injury, he had the other setback. But um I hope we get to see him back in some form because, man, that, that dude was something. 
Yeah, I have uh, Boogie Cousins' former college teammate here. Oh, John Wall. Wall. Oh, here yeah, we go. I do. Yeah. Okay. I know, dropping from the number one pick here to number three. Um, yeah, I know Cousins. I understand why you put Cousins there. He does have the injuries at the end of his career. And so does Wall, though. True. But uh, Wall's five-time All-Star. We're looking at that. Um He's all defensive team. He was all NBA one time, but uh, he's career points 19, career assists 9.2, career steals 1.7, uh, 43% from the field. The fact that he never got that three point shot down is kind of uh, concerning. But uh, he's, you know, he's 32% on threes. Um, but it would have been nice if he could, you know, if he could have developed that three. But, uh, you know, he was – before he got hurt, I feel like people forget that he was one of the better point guards in the NBA. And yes. I don't – I think people are counting him out. We were talking about this with Colin. I feel like last week people are counting him out as possibly uh, developing or going back into one of the better point guards in the NBA – or in the Eastern Conference. And uh, I still feel like he can do that. And we're talking about careers here. I, I feel like in terms of, you know, he's not, a, he's not a Hall of Famer, but in terms of the last 10 years, he's been one of the better point guards in the NBA. It look, he had the potential for sure to be better, but he didn't have the postseason success to do it. And uh, I think he was a little selfish at times and, you know, he didn't get the uh, uh, players to come play with him. But also there's a little bit of what he, you were talking about with Cousins. His team wasn't very well run either. Yeah. So uh, to look at that. But uh, also looking at the metrics here, and he's actually dead even with Cousins in box plus minus, which I thought was interesting. And he's 0.2%, 0.2 ahead of uh, Cousins in win shares. Like it's, they're so close. Cause I was actually the same as you. I was considering flipping cousins and wall and I went this way, but uh, yeah, I, they're very, they're very close to me. They're very close to me. So I almost went the same way as you. Yeah, I think, um, so I, you know, I went with, with wall at number two there. Um, in reality, it was, it was Evan Turner who we both spoke about before. Um, but so the the thing that separated Wall for me was was just the playoff success, and uh, I think specifically his playoff numbers, man. Like when I was looking at um, his averages, twenty two and ten, I was like, God damn. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you already spoke about Wall a lot, and uh, I couldn't agree with you more in the sense that I do think people are counting him out. Um, I'm interested to see what he looks like when he comes back. You know, uh, John Wall is a super. Um, entertaining player like very athletic and um really like an absolute star in terms of just you know end to end uh how he ran things on the court so uh i i got him at number two there and i, and I like his playoff numbers to put him over over boogie but i mean if you're just looking from a pure talent standpoint i mean demarcus cousins coming out of college you know i think a lot of people would have taken him number one um, if, if they felt like he had his head on straight, 
Um, but I'm assuming, you know, you obviously went with Boogie at two there. I did yeah. go with Boogie at two. So, yeah, I, I think we have uh, the same guy at number one, obviously. But I did go with Boogie at number two for the same reasons you did, you know, 20 and 10 for his career, uh, 46%. From the field, uh, started to take too many threes towards the end of his career, fell into that trap. But, uh, yeah, if he just stayed healthy, well, always he's going to be one of those guys, like in the T-Mac conversation, the Grant Hill conversation. He's going to be one of those guys. If What would have happened if he just stayed healthy? But uh, he still had, even just through whatever his career was, a remarkable prime you know one through uh six all-star teams and i think you brought up the best point out of everything uh should he have asked out of sacramento sooner like because he must have realized how poorly that team was being run yeah and if he had asked out of that team after like his third year or his fourth year like maybe he could have gotten onto a better squad who knows but he's he stayed – say whatever you want about him. He stayed loyal. He stayed on that team for, what, like six years or seven years or <laughs> yeah. something. So, I mean, you can't knock him for that. He tried in Sacramento. Yeah. So And I and I but, think uh, to, to, to add to your point with Boogie there, and I think it's to a larger point of like when people on Twitter or fans like us want to really get at players for – like loyalty is – it's a fine line because – people interpret it one of two ways. So I think me and you kind of, um, and, and it's case by case basis. It's not to say that to paint everything with a broad stroke, but you know, if a player stays with the team that drafts him and, you know, through a bigger contract, even when they're losing, like to me, that is loyal. And some people will say, well, that's the team that can pay them the most money. And yeah, you're right. But if you're, but if you're a player of that caliber, you can make that money anywhere because you can make it off endorsements or, or whatever it is. And I get it that, yes, making higher money um, per year as per your salary and the endorsements is going to be more. But, you know, a lot of these guys want to win. And, you know, Boogie, for you know, trusted in whatever front office was there at the time or whatever turnover they had. Um, had a good relationship with Mike Malone, then they fired him. Um, you know, I mean, I do think that players are loyal in that sense. Yeah. I think every single player cares about winning. Right. It's just not, not every single player puts winning at the top of yes. their priority. Yes. List. Yes. That's kind of, yeah. Um, and we both have, uh, the, the number one pick here. It's very obvious. Uh, Paul George, um, Chip, I'm going to let you kind of wax poetic on George, um, I have a very just an interesting thing at the cool. end. I'll I'll throw any stats in that that you don't hit on, but but talk George for a minute. I mean, as clearly one of the best two way players that me and you have probably watched, you know, during yeah. like our time. Yeah, six time All Star, five time All NBA, and you mentioned his defense. He's four time All Defense. Yep. Uh, led the league in steals in 2018 19. Um. First in the draft class in minutes, uh, first in win shares by a mile. Yeah, hugely. Uh, yeah, hugely. 
Uh, first in box plus minus by a mile. Uh, if you're a Vorp guy, <laughs> he's first in Vorp by a mile too. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just uh, he's the best player in the class, you know. And first in points too. I don't know if I point that one out, but uh, yeah, he's the best player in the class. Um, he's uh, he's you know he's obviously he's bounced around. Uh, and, uh, I think one, the one knock against him that, uh, you can use is his lack of playoff success. And, uh, you know, people will knock him for his playoff P, uh, self-proclaimed nickname, but, uh, he is the best player in this class. And something that I thought was really, uh, interesting was, uh, he has a positive net rating in every single year of his career. Um, except, well, the, technically the, the Oklahoma city year, his, his net rating was uh 0.0, which uh-huh. I thought said, I thought said so much about that Oklahoma city year. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, I got to bring that up. The Oklahoma city thing, because that says so much about that fucking year, like 0.0 net rating. You don't see that very much. No. That's for a guy of his caliber. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, the, but his teams have. Same thing we were talking about Chris Paul. The same thing with Chris Paul. His his teams have always been better with him on the court. Paul George's teams have always been better with him on the court. So and oh, sorry, this is the first Oklahoma City year with Melo. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I forgot there were two Oklahoma City years for a minute because they just felt like they melted together. Yeah. Because they were so ultimately they were so meaningless for the Paul George Oklahoma City years, but. uh but yeah, the his he's just so you. I think you made you made the best point. We kind of underrate his defense because he's so uh, good offensively. Yeah, you really do underrate his defense. But I, I don't want to drone on. You said you had uh, you had something you wanted to point out. Yeah, nothing nothing too crazy. It's more of like a what could have been thing. So like, if Paul George gets drafted number one overall, right, and he goes to the mm-hmm. Wizards. I just I was just like, you know what? Just for shits and giggles, like let me look at that team. So the Wizards at the time, and again, this was the team that John Wall went to, and Flip Saunders was the coach. Um Gilbert Arenas, Mike Bibby, Nick Young, Andre Blatch, JaVale McGee, Rashard Lewis, Josh Howard, like a very interesting collection of characters there. And like I just wonder how Paul George would have like panned out. Because remember George went to the Pacers. I off the top of my head, I cannot tell you who was on that team, but I wonder. Danny Granger. Danny Granger. Danny Granger. Okay. <laughs> um, he was good. Yeah, and I I wonder how George would have been on the Wizards. I wonder how much he would have been featured as opposed to Wall, who clearly came in. Not like see. Here's the thing about Wall too. Like Wall was a star before he came to the NBA. Like, John Wall, people have been talking about John Wall for years. You know, Paul George didn't have that clout, you know? So it's like Paul John Wall George's comes... college team sucked. Right, <laughs> right. So I think, you know, it would have been very interesting to see how Paul George had had kind of developed, you know, had he been on that team. Um, but Yeah, you're right. You know, like, think about it. like a a professional organization in Indiana. He was brought along so well with like Larry Bird and Frank Vogel and that system. 
if he maybe didn't have that environment in right. Washington. Yeah, good and, point. And yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, and I'm not gonna knock him either, um, because you know, Wall still turned out to be um, pretty damn good uh, with the Wizards. Mm. But it just would have been interesting. But yeah, very clearly, uh, the number one pick that should have been based on how the career uh, was in this in this draft. Um, and that kind of concludes our, our first go-around here of the 2010 NBA redraft. I think next week for you guys, we'll have 2011. And I think now we're just going to kind of open it up, talk a little non-NBA stuff. Um, I know Chip and I have just been like texting back and forth about like shows <laughs> we're watching. Um and I know you've been getting into Stranger Things, man. I, I, there was like, I had like an ex-girlfriend back in like, I don't know if it was like 2014 or 2015 that kind of got me into Stranger Things or maybe I, I got her into it. I'm not sure. But, um, so what, what's, are you, have you finished the first season yet? I did finish the first season. Okay. I'm on season two. I just finished the episode where. Steve is like crushed because Nancy obviously isn't in love with him. And yeah. for some reason he is just figuring that out. Yeah. You, and the show does a. I just texted my friend. The show does a great job of like fucking with you to make you like not be able to realize who you should be rooting for. Yeah. Like, it's, you're like, should I like Nancy? Maybe I shouldn't like Nancy. Cause she's really messing with Steve and she's kind of leading Jonathan on. But she's also kind of nice to Jen. I don't know. But she's – yeah, and you're supposed to think Steve is a dick, but now you're supposed to feel sorry for Steve. And you're supposed to love Hopper, but he's also treating uh, Eleven like, like uh, his like like shit yeah. and trying to use her as a replacement for his own daughter. Right. It's it, They do an amazing job writing on this show. They really do. It's a brilliant show. I, uh... And I love that. I love that Sean Astin is on the show. Right? Oh my god, yes! So, awesome. so great casting. Dude. Yeah, it it really is great casting. Like, um, like I always thought too. Like Winona Ryder was a really interesting like person and and actress. Like she's always been a little quirky, but like she kills it on this show. Um, mm-hmm. in multiple seasons, Definitely. multiple areas. Like, uh, there there are some really like intense scenes both in season one and and as you go on through the show and like the way that all of these characters kind of come together to pull it off like just the 